0: Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the It's Hard podcast. My name is Paige Boner. I'm your host. Yes, that's actually my last name. Um, I've been doing this for about two years now. If this is your first time listening, welcome. This is a mental health podcast centered around making sure you feel less alone in what you're going through. Um, I hope you're doing well. If you are unplugged with us right now, hope you're doing great and doing some vision planning um, as the new year is starting to approach. And if you haven't unplugged with us, but you're interested, I do have a guide in journal, um, located on my website for free. That's able to be downloaded still. And you can still join us if you're not sure what that is. Um, we're unplugging for the holidays, but it's really, you know, can align at any time of year just to allow you to unplug and take a little social media detox in order to be present and get creative and play and rest because social media can be so overwhelming and really loud in our voices. And so this is a great opportunity to do so. I'm super excited about today's episode. If you're here from Michael Unbroken's um, community, welcome. So glad you're here. Michael is just incredible. He has been through so much in his life and for him to come on and share his story um, and all that he does in the world to help people who have been in the same situation or in the same situation that he was in is so cool. Um, So he is a trauma coach and he does all trauma healing. Um, He also has a free five keys to healing course He has a book, a podcast, he speaks. I mean, he truly does it all. And this man took, you know, an experience of child abuse, which trigger warning, we do talk about child abuse in this episode and all of the trauma that he experienced as a child and really turned it into something to help others and really to enlighten others to realize that they're not alone in what they're going through, but also to coach them through something that can be incredibly debilitating and challenging. So... I'm so grateful for Michael for being on the show. I found him on Instagram and I just knew I wanted to interview him. He's so intelligent, well spoken, and shares so vulnerably and beautifully. And if you want to connect with him, Michael Anthony is his name. Um, His website is www.thinkunbroken.com. His Instagram is at Michael Unbroken, and he also has a Think Unbroken Instagram as well. So please go follow all of his channels. They're very resourceful, very helpful, and it's just important for us to understand trauma. And this is you know, great guy to do that. And I know we talked about trauma last week. It was more on the side of abuse in relationships. This is kind of more focused on child abuse and things that happen to us when we're kids. Um, It's all relevant. It's all important. So I hope that you enjoy this one. Again, trigger warning, please take care of yourself. If at any point you feel the need to turn it off, um, listen to your body, listen to yourself. Love you guys. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week for a solo episode. It's hard podcast is edited and produced by Sather Audio. Sather Audio is ran by my dear friend, Andy Bjork. He is an incredible sound engineer. He did all the intro music to this podcast. This season has worked with me since day one on producing the best podcast possible he edits all of my episodes, which is a complete lifesaver and time saver as I work, you know, a nine to five and do this on the side. And I just can't thank him enough for how much he does for me and how incredibly, you know, insightful and talented he is. He also creates his own music. You can follow him at Sather Audio on Instagram and reach out at Sather Audio at gmail.com if you have any inquiries or need any sound needs, if you will. I can't recommend him enough. Tell him that I sent you and connect with him if you're a podcaster, if you're looking for a new intro song, anything. He is for sure your guy. You can't deny that my new intro music is bomb. So reach out to Sather Audio with any of your sound needs.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Hello. Can you hear me?
1: I can, yes. Okay, okay the old camera here adjusted real quick
0: <laughs> no worries your Ooh. camera looks so nice
1: yeah I've got a I got the the whole setup here
0: so nice I yeah. love that well, it's a goal someday
1: it's <laughs> simple I mean this setup cost me 600 bucks it's really yeah and then
0: and do you just attach it like you attach the camera to your computer right yeah so capacity? it runs
1: through my computer there's a whole process so it runs through this thing called the it's a it's a switcher effectively like what uh what you'd see in a professional studio but it's like a consumer grade I'm actually really zoomed in here hang on a second um and then the camera it's an actual I'm using a Fuji camera that runs into Uh, that that runs into my computer. Wow. Right. So yeah the camera is more expensive but the I mean the baseline to do this is very inexpensive. And then of course I have the shore that runs through the focus and the cloud and that whole thing. So um. Yeah. I mean, all in all, this studio setup was like I don't know, fifteen hundred bucks. So mm-hmm. not a, not a huge investment, but no. you know, better than what it used to be.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, it's just been so fun following you and learning from you in many different aspects. And so I think what you'll be able to share with uh, my audience is going to be super super impactful. So thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, of course. And and thanks for being patient. I, I definitely had to reschedule last week. I was like, I gotta take a break or I'm gonna freak mm-hmm. out. So um, yes. you know, that's one of the things I practice what I preach. I was like, I need a timeout, so I'm taking one.
0: Yes. And honestly, I was thinking about that and I was like, we should talk about that a little bit because I think the importance, and I know you just did an episode on this as well, but I think the importance of mental health breaks and then like. Mm-hmm also the practice of allowing ourselves that break because that can be the most challenging part is like knowing how much you have to do or you don't want to let your team down or you don't want to do this you don't want to do that but being needing a mental health break is essentially the same as you know needing to take a sick day
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and like I I don't I don't sacrifice that for anybody or anything and I uh you know I'll go as long as I can until the moment where I'm like, nope, I see this coming. And so I was trying to avoid, basically, I knew if I went like three or four more days, I was like, I'm going to hit rock bottom. So I'm going to just hit the pause button right now. And yeah, I I want people to understand like, that's okay. Right. And Mm -hmm. people feel sorry for themselves and be like, oh, you know, I got all this stuff to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. How are you going to, how are you going to change the world if you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're, you know, knocking on death's door, which Trust me, it's probably preaching the choir. I think everyone understands that, you know?
0: Absolutely. So what did you do for your mental health break? Like, what did that look like for you?
1: Um, I went to Austin and I just walked around in the blistering fucking hot sun for four days and chilled at the pool and went to comedy shows and just had time by myself. Um, I needed a, a total disconnect. So it was awesome. Um, I love that. I, I like travel to me is always my respite.
0: Mm, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing that, that we don't take advantage of enough. And like you said, practicing what you preach, like when you're talking about mental health and I definitely can improve on this of, you know, taking those breaks and, and taking a breather. So I think that's really important. Um, Michael, I would love for you to start as well uh, to share a little bit with the audience about your own personal mental health journey and then how that led you to the work that you're doing today with Think I'm Broken.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Oh, are we going? We're going. We're
0: going. Oh, We're ready. Okay,
1: cool, cool. Um, <laughs> what? Why don't I, for context, and it's, you know, it's funny because I always ask people if I can curse on their shows first, yes. so I don't like... <laughs> But I assume that's okay, since we're already rolling.
0: Yes, it is. And my last name is Boner. So, you know, there's really no boundaries here at this point. I'm over
1: here like drinking water and being a human being. And people are like, oh, my God, he's like being a normal person. Um, (laughs) The why don't I create context then? Because I think this is important. Um, I, I, when I was four years old, my mother, she actually cut off my right index finger. Um, She was a drug addict and alcoholic. And my stepfather was super abusive, like the guy you pray is never your stepfather. And I spent the majority of my childhood in poverty and homeless. And by the time I was 12 years old, I got high for the first time, drunk at 13. By 15, I was expelled from school. Um, I was selling drugs, breaking into houses, stealing cars, hurting people. Um, luckily got put into a last chance program, still didn't graduate high school on time, had basically straight ups the whole time. Um, and when I was 18, I was thinking about, well, what's the solution for poverty? What's the solution for abuse? What's the solution for being in these situations I keep getting in? And I was like, oh, it must be money, right? Uh, money seems to always be at the, the crux of why everyone always has problems. And so I was like, okay, cool. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll go chase money, but this was important to do it legally, because my uncle's in prison for life, my best friends were getting arrested, I've been in handcuffs. Um, And it's dangerous. And and by the time I was 26, my three childhood best friends had been murdered. Mm. And it's all because of drugs. And like, I was in that shit, right. And so I was like, Okay, cool. So I need to do this legally. Uh, I don't know how but I'm going to figure it out. And sure enough, by the time that I'm 18, I'm, I'm leading a team of 52 people at a fast food restaurant. By the time I'm 20, I have a job with a Fortune Ten company, and this is no high school diploma. They literally handed it to me. My transcript is straight F's. There are some A's, but mainly f's. and and <laughs> then no college diploma. And I still landed this job with this Fortune Ten company. I was thinking to myself like, okay, so what is what is it that I need here? M- money, This is the solution. This is gonna make my life better. But it didn't. And you hear about this all the time, and it's in film, it's in TV, it's in music. It's like, more money, more problems, right? And and that was true. And I found myself making all this money being 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep. And I put a gun in my mouth. I was just like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like this, the, the thing that I thought was going to solve the problem didn't solve the problem. And my life is like, probably actually worse than it used to be. And so what happened was, I went, one morning, and you'd think like that was rock bottom, like great, he changes life the next day. Well, not really. And so what happened is I'm laying in bed one morning shortly after this. And you gotta keep in mind I'm 350 pounds and I'm eating chocolate cake, smoking a joint and watching the CrossFit games. Like if that's not fucking (laughs) rock bottom, like for real, I don't know what is. And, And I just remember this moment, I was just watching this and I was like, how are these people able to do this? What don't they, what do they know that I don't know? What do they figured out? I haven't figured out. And it wasn't about the physicality or anything like that. It was like, they were pushing themselves. And for whatever reason, I went into the bathroom and I, I looked at myself in the mirror for really the first time ever And I was reminded of being this eight year old little boy when the water company came and turned our water off. Now, I grew up in Indianapolis. I grew up in America. I did not grow up in some country where your water getting turned off was the norm, except that was the norm for me. This was always happening. We were always having our water turned off, our power turned off. I lived at some point with like 30 different families because we kept getting evicted. And so, this particular day, like I go, in the backyard, and I grab this little blue bucket and I walk across the street to the neighbor's house and I turn on their spigots, and for the first time I stole. And I remember being like, When I'm a grown-up, this isn't going to be my life. And the only thing I ever wanted to do as a kid was be a grown-up. But the problem was when I'm now 25, 26 years old, I'm looking at my life and I'm like, I have no idea who I am. And the promise I made to myself as a little kid in a sense was come true. I had no issues with money, other than I was spending it all, and I was making it all. And so it was kind of like this back and forth. I had a cool car and great clothes and a great condo, but I was miserable, otherwise. And I'm sitting here trying to think about the context of my life. And I looked at myself in the mirror, understanding for the first time, I was not actually keeping the promise I made to myself, because of the trauma, because of the abuse, because of all the shit I had been through, And I asked myself, what was I willing to do to have the life that I want to have? And the words, no excuses, just results, like they just started reverberating through my body. And I meant it, like I was like, I'm going to do something about this. Now, fast forward 11 years, here I am talking to you, okay? But in that process, it was this tremendous amount of hard, difficult, grueling, like it's work that I can't even explain. People are always like, do the work, do the work. But I'm like, okay, let's really talk about what that looks like. And so I had to get physically healthy, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, sexually healthy, all the healthies that you could do. And it was just this insanely rigorous process of testing myself every day, which I still do to this day, of trying to understand and identify who I was, because I think what people are missing in this conversation about creating your life is the part that for many people who come from traumatic experiences, we've never had the opportunity to ever tap into our intuition and build trust within ourselves. Because every time we did, there was some type of ramification, some type of abuse, some type of thing that came on the backside that hair is stupid. That shirt is stupid. Who do you think you are? Color of the moon, purple, whatever that thing is. And you would get chastised and there'd be ramifications. And I found myself in this process of this healing journey, right? This thing that people love to throw around like it's just a buzzword of Being in a situation where I was actually creating myself. And so the Michael sitting here with you today, and I realize I refer to myself in the third person, is is the realization of a caricature of the idea of the person I thought I could be. Mm. And that came through therapy, group therapy, EMDR, CBT, NLP, all the acronyms, AA, NA, SA, all the A's through going back and forth through this healing journey, not only myself in physical healing and plant medicine and journaling and just trying everything, like literally everything from myofascial release to Reiki and everything in between. And what happened was one day, I was writing some blogs I'm by nature and my soul, like I'm a writer. That's what I've always been. So I'm writing some blogs. I'm putting some stuff out into the world. It's under a whole different name. Think I'm Broken wasn't even a thing yet. And people were like, hey, man, that thing that you posted, like I resonate with that. My dad did this. My mom did that. And like what was strange about it is people who I've known for a long time started reaching out to me and they're telling me these things. And I'm, I'm, A, I'm dumbfounded by it. But B, I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. Because I I always thought to myself, well, you know, maybe if I put this stuff in the world, like my little brothers will read this, I just didn't know it would be all these other people in my community. And then it turned into, hey, will you help me? Right? And somewhere in between there, it was like, hey, that thing you posted saved my life. And I never had, Paige, I never had any intention of doing this five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, there was a 0% chance I'm talking to you. And what I've come to understand in this process is, while I am polarizing, which I do understand, because I think you have to be to some extent, my number one mission and my number one goal in everything that I do is to end generational trauma in my lifetime. The only fucking thing I care about is that a child does not have to ever say the same story I just told you. Mm -hmm. And so that's what drives me. And I look at it from creating this massive expansion around education, not only through healing adults, which I think is where we really have to think about putting more energy, right? But also into children. And so I'm kind of like trying to PG rate some of my stuff so I can actually get into schools and write children's books and things of that nature because it matters. Mm -hmm. And so Think Unbroken came, and I know this is a very long answer to your question. Think Unbroken came because I was laying in bed one night about three and a half years ago. And I had had this conversation with someone I had a disagreement with, because we're grownups, and we have disagreements. And I have a very hard, fast rule in my life. And that rule is you're not allowed to yell at me ever for any fucking reason, period. That is hard tight. Like I don't, I don't break that rule for anybody. And so we're having this back and forth. And this person yells at me. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm leaving, I'm not going to talk to you right now. When you want to talk to me like a human being, let's connect, right. And, uh, I get a message from them. This work that you're doing, the things that you're doing, it's bullshit. You're broken. Nothing about you is different. I I get like, fine, whatever. It is what it is, right? I'm not going to ever allow people to tell me what I believe to be true about myself. And so I'm laying in bed and I'm bothered by it reasonably because I'm a human being. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you know what? I've been hearing this shit since I was five years old when I was 12, when I was 14, 18, 22, 25, 27, 30, you know, and people always being like, because you don't fit into the scope of normality, because you have these things that you've gone through, you're broken. And I'm just like, that's not me. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not how I think. And then literally like fucking lightning bolt. It was like, think unbroken. That's what I've been trying to understand this whole time. And that's what I do. Like I help people figure out how to do that. And that just means this, all of that said, all of this diatribe I just laid out, it's very much about one singular concept. Can you be okay with the reflection in the mirror? Say more about that. Well, I think at the end of the day, Look, there are things that that haunt us, right? That are good, bad, and different. Doesn't matter. There are things in our way. There are things that we make excuses about. There are things that we play the victim for. There are things that we blame the world for. There are things that we shame ourselves and guilt ourselves, and and the whole nine. All of the human experience, right? And I think a lot of that comes from not addressing what we know we need to do. Mm-hmm. And the majority of that's fear-based, right? The other side of whatever you need to do is often terrifying. In your head, you've played this scenario 8 million times. What if I did leave this relationship and pack my bags and move across the country and go on a healing journey and one day write some blogs that eventually lead to this place where 11 years later, I'm having a conversation. What if I did? But then what if I never did? What am I talking to you right now? And, and the conversation about looking in the mirror and being okay with the reflection, like I really truly believe it just starts with acknowledging the truth of who you are, about all of it, everything. And it's not that it's easy, because it's not, like, even today, like every day, I'm challenging myself, I'm challenging the narrative of who I think I am and what I believe I'm capable of doing. And I put myself in the most tremendously uncomfortable situations to try to figure out what's on the other side of them. And even still to this day, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, what am I not addressing? What am I not working on? What am I not doing? What am I avoiding? What am I hiding? What am I running from? Because the truth is, if you go deeper into that, if you ask yourself those questions, you can't lie to anybody, but you. And I don't know about you, but the shit that keeps me awake at night is the stuff that I have not addressed. It's the stuff I have not put my effort and energy into. And look, I get it that there's fear in that. And some of the fear is societal, right? People will judge me if I want to go and do this thing. They're judging you anyway. People are going to shame you because you want to change your life. You want to leave the relationship and take your kids across the country and start a business they're going to judge you anyway. Doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is how you feel when you look in that mirror. Because the truth is, and I know this about myself, which I think is really interesting. People don't like me. Paige, I'm okay with that. It's fine. There's 8 billion people on planet Earth. I do not expect everyone to like me. That would be weird. And so even when people send me messages and they say, who do you think you are? I go, I'm someone trying to make change in the world. If you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to listen. You don't have to be here. But if you wanna be, I will serve you just as well as I do anyone else who is right here with me. And so there's um, serenity for lack of a better term in being able to acknowledge that I live my life being okay who I am. That doesn't mean that some days aren't harder than the others. That doesn't mean that some days my greatest victory is taking a break. That doesn't mean that some days I don't have to fucking pick myself up off the ground and be like, get your shit together. Because there's a fine line in this entire conversation between taking care of yourself and taking it easy on yourself. And I think if you really want to find your potential, you've got to be willing to challenge that narrative.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Y'all know how passionate I am about therapy and how much of an advocate I am for everyone using therapy as part of their mental health journey. You might be wondering, what is therapy? I've you know, maybe heard of it. Obviously, we kind of all understand what it is but there's still this large stigma around it that it's something that you only go to if something is wrong with you or if you have major problems or it's something to be embarrassed about. But therapy truly can be whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and you just want some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress or you're finding a lot of conflict within the relationships that you're experiencing. Therapy is a tool that you can use in order to become more self aware and to better understand who you are at your core. And BetterHelp is here to make it so seamless and so easy so that you can access therapy at an affordable and easy way. BetterHelp is online therapy. It's completely online and they offer many different packages based on what you can afford. There's also financial aid involved as well. And you can easily switch your therapist. I know sometimes that you and your therapist might not click. Those first couple tries might be really hard. And that's an essential part of therapy is to ensure that you and your therapist have a strong connection. Not only does it benefit you as the client, but it also benefits your therapist to have somebody who they feel as though they can connect with too. BetterHelp allows you to switch your therapist free of charge at any point to ensure that you are getting the best experience possible. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and It's Hard listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash it's hard. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash it's hard. Oh, so, so good. Thank you for sharing your story and, and everything in, you know, that whole realm It's just so powerful. And something I kept thinking about was, was when you said that you first, are watching the CrossFit games and you're thinking, how do these people do this? They must be pushing themselves. And it led me to think about the fact that mental health and a journey of mental health and continuing to want to grow and learn is a continual journey of pushing yourself. You're never going to stop pushing yourself in that space because it isn't easy. It's not easy to address trauma and to you know be aware of the way that you're feeling. That's just how it, it's just not an easy thing to do. Can you define uh, for those that might not understand fully what generational trauma is?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and I think you're right. It is a challenge. And there are people who, and I want to say this because it's really important. There are people who look at challenging the notion of what you're capable of doing in your mental health growth as irresponsible. I've heard this before because they go, take it easy on yourself, relax, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But what I am saying is this. If that approach has got you to where you are, then you might need to take a different approach to get to where you want to go. Because I took it easy on myself for a long time and I blamed the world for a long time. And it put me in this situation where my life was a disaster, okay? But look, there's, and this I'm segwaying to answer your question. There is something I think about when I understand my own personal journey and the journey of many of the people I've worked with, hundreds and thousands of people around the world, that generational trauma is this thing that inherently is a part of the human experience. Let me give you a little bit of a story here. So one day, my My mom walked into my bedroom and she's freaking out high out of her mind, drunk off her ass and hits me. I'm like 18. I'm like, I'm done. That's enough of this. And when she sobered up, I went and I talked to her and I said, I'm never talking to you again. I'm eight, I'm 18 years old. I could see the future. And I said, I'm never speaking to you again. When I was 14, I actually put a restraining order on her. Because what I was trying to do is prove that I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to let this person have control over my life. And so 18 years old, I have this conversation with her. Till the day she died, I saw her like one time, maybe, right? And I think it was like my brother's birthday or something. And and people looked at me and they're like, how could you do that? It's your mother. I'm going to say something that's going to make people uncomfortable. Your mother might be in your way. Your mother might be the reason why your life isn't changing into what you believe you're capable of having. Your mother might be your trauma. Okay. And look in that, I didn't like stuff it down and make it go away and pretend it wasn't there. I did the work around it to even be able to have this conversation, of course. And so one day, I'm sitting in my therapist's office. This is about five years ago, might have been six years ago. And I'm having this conversation with him, I'm sharing that story. And he's like, how do you feel about that? And I go, I'm pissed off about it as anyone would be. But I know something important about it. And that's that I've let it go. I don't let it carry the weight like an anchor behind me every time I'm moving forward. I just go, yeah, it happened. And I acknowledged it. And then he said these two words to me that changed the way I think about everything. It's a generational trauma. And I was like, oh, tell me more. Because I'd been in this thing where I'd been reading about family systems and I've been learning and trying to assess all these things and getting these certifications and blah, blah, blah. And I'd read those words before, but I like I'd never heard them, right? You know, you're listening, but you're not hearing me. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> he says those words to me, and it struck me. I was like, oh, of course, my mother hurt me because her mother hurt her and her mother hurt her. And my stepfather hurt me because his mother, was arguably the worst person I've ever met in my life because somebody was the worst person in her life and so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm biracial. So there's layers to it. I'm from West Nigeria and from Ireland. And so now you add in those levels of trauma from slavery and indentured servitude and famine and the whole nine through our DNA and that goes on and on and on. And so I sat with it. and I was like, wait a second. So you're telling me that generational trauma is this experience of abuse happening in a cycle over and over again into every generation of child who comes next. Well, that's fucked up. What am I going to do about it? And, And that's literally what I think about. And you can go into family systems, you can talk about all the other pieces of it, but I just measure it in a very simplified way where I go, okay, I got it. That happened to them. That's learned behavior. They didn't break the cycle. Maybe they weren't educated enough. Maybe they chose not to. I don't know. Maybe they were so fucking hurt that they could never even dare about the other side of the coin. Fine, whatever. Doesn't matter. You can't change it. But what you can do is end it. And so that's where I'm always thinking about, like, okay, cool. So what do we really need to do in education and, and and helping people understand these concepts? Because to me, I look at something like generational trauma, and I go, it's so incredibly irresponsible for us as a human species to live in 2021 and still be having this fucking conversation. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so true and it's it's just it's the fact of the matter that it's not your fault like what happened to you is not your fault and this you know generational it's not your fault what about those people like you were saying your mother could be the one that's getting in your way your mother could be your trauma so many people struggle with that of how do I set that boundary and stick to it? If they're my blood, I have to love them. Like all these ideas that family is supposed to be the be all end all. You're supposed to love unconditionally with family. How do you overcome that type of mindset?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, right? And I, I think contextually, it's going to vary for everyone. Because whereas some people need to go into like limited contact with their parents, with their family, with their friends, even sometimes, mm-hmm. some people just need to get the fuck out of there, right? I, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little analogy that I use when I speak to my clients. If you walked into a room every single day, on your own volition, But every time that you walked into that room, you got punched in the face. How many days would you choose to walk into that room before you stopped? And that's what I think about in context of being in relation with people who are punching you in the face every day. At some point, and I know this sounds, it's so difficult to understand until you really start to let this materialize in your brain. At some point, it's self inflicted punishment to go back to that every day. Now there are layers to it. Me, I was groomed, I was enmeshed, I was brought up in this way in which I was now we have the language for it in gaslighting, where I was basically set in this precedent to be in the position that I was in, which many of us go through. And so you have to make meaning of that. You have to understand that. I think first as paramount, because when you have that information, you have that data, now you can start measuring what's really going on. Because you see, I thought my mom was just crazy. Like that's an in passing thing. I thought my stepdad was just an alcoholic who beat the shit out of me. I thought my grandmother was just an old racist lady. And then I realized, like, the truth was, these were people who were hurt, who were hurting me. And by me choosing to be in connection with them, this is where it's fucked up. I was hurting myself. Mm. So where does it come into play to set boundaries? Well... Again, I've actually been pretty good at this my whole life because at 14 years old, I put a restraining order on my mom. That was my choice. And then my stepfather shortly after, and then I told these people, never talk to them again. And I've taken people out of my life who take from me because here's what I'm always thinking about. Like look into the future, Like, like create your framework for what's next in your life. There are points of measure and data that you can take from past experiences that can support the hypothesis that if I'm in relation with this person, it's going to be bad, right? And so how do you set boundaries in that? Well, first and foremost, I think you got to get super clear about something. What is your expectation in the relationship? Because so often we go, well, I just want to be nice to me. What, What does that mean? like define that for yourself. Again, my one of my rules, you're not allowed to yell at me, right? That's expectation, you break that rule, man, my boundaries are coming in hard and fast, believe that. And so what happens is, you have to measure it all aspects of it, how do you want them to talk to you? How do you want to reciprocate it? Don't forget, this is a fucking two way street, it can't just only be about you. Now that is contextual. Again, I think there's, it's easy to be vague, but I want to try to create real context here. And so there's that aspect of it, getting super clear about it, and then having the conversation. You have to, here's what I always think about. At the end of the conversation you have with the person that you're setting boundaries with, whether it's dating, relationships, career, family, best friend, doesn't matter. If they can't recite to you what you've told them your expectation is, your expectation is never going to get met. If they do, and on the backside, they still break that. Then they're just abusing you, then they're hurting you, then they don't care about you. And guess what, they don't respect you. Right? Hard truth, somebody in your life is not respecting you. But have you been clear enough with them to understand that you have given every, everything that you can to set yourself up for success in that relationship? That's step one, clarity, have you or have you not? Because if you haven't, and in your head, you're like, I wish they'd be nice to me, but you've never said that. Like, you got to understand, like, people can't read your mind. Natively, we should be nice to each other. I believe that. Kindness is one of my values. But if you don't explain that expressly to someone, explicitly, excuse me, they're not going to know. They're not going to know. And then it's going to be you who is in this situation where you're like, They don't respect me. But if you tell them and you're explicit and and you lay it out and they still choose to do the opposite, now you're facing a problem. So what do you do? Boundaries is about holding true to the backside of what you say you're going to do, following through. I'm not gonna be in connection with you. No talk, no text, no social media, no DMs. Don't hit me up on MySpace. I'm not fucking with you, right? And so you have to really follow through on that. That's where people lose in this game, right? And and I'm not calling it again this It's just the way I think, right? So what happens is you're faced with being challenged, right? Especially if you're dealing with narcissistic people because they start to lose control. If you're dealing with people who have you, if you're dealing with people who have groomed you, they want that control back. The second you start to pull away, they're going to pull out all the stops, They're going to blame you. They're going to shame you. They're going to guilt you. They're going to say, I bend over backwards for you. I've sacrificed my youth for you. Blah, fuck that shit. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have to say, I'm holding true to my boundaries because you don't respect me. I will be the one to choose what I'm in connection with you next. That might be three months, might be three years, might be never. I think there's only so many chances that you can give people again, and you got to figure this out. I mean, I've given people a lot of chance. I gave my mom all the chances. There were no more chances to give. My stepfather, my grandma, I gave them all, right? But it's going to come down to this question. The you know, same place we started. Are you self-inflicting punishment on yourself by being in connection with people that hurt you?
0: It's It's like the mirror. You know, you got to look yourself in the mirror, but also put the mirror up to yourself. And is there ownership in this in the sense of, you know, can you set that boundary and move away from that relationship in order to protect yourself?
1: It's really good. What are you going to do if you don't?
0: (laughs) Keep living miserably. (laughs) Yeah, In a lot of ways. Oh, so good. How might somebody know or be able to recognize if they've experienced trauma. I think the reason I'm asking you this question, I think, is because and maybe you've, you know, talked about this quite a bit, but when people hear trauma, they just think of this big word, right? You know, you've been to war, you've been in a car accident, you know, these you've been abused, all of these things that are very prevalent and you can see very well. Um but How might someone, you know, better understand if they've maybe experienced trauma, whether it is big T trauma, little T trauma, just in general in their lives?
1: Yeah, I I wrote one of the opening paragraphs of my book is child abuse is war.
0: Mm -hmm. It
1: is war, you carry the scars with you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, all the ways it carries with you. And so here's what's really interesting about it is there's a direct correlation that you can see between childhood experiences and long-term ramifications in, in physical, mental, and emotional health. You know, it's easy to cite the ACE survey or the Adverse Childhood Experiences survey if you're not familiar. So in the mid-90s, Dr. Felitti in the California uh, Center for Disease Control with Kaiser Permanente Hospital did a research survey to find out if there was, in fact, a correlation between childhood trauma and abuse and long-term ramifications and people's health. And this study started because Dr. Folletti was working with obesity clients and trying to pinpoint why these people would lose all this weight and come back with all the weight gained again and blah, 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 and so forth. Right. And and he had a one particular client or patient, I guess, is how we should refer to them, who um, had mentioned in passing, which he just happened to hold on to, that she felt like she was a child again, because someone she worked with made a pass at her, and her father had sexually abused her as a child. And for whatever reason, he just caught on to that moment. And he was like, Oh, shit, I think there's a correlation here between obesity and child abuse. And so the survey came, it's I'll say this, I think that it needs to be far grander than it is and it needs to be, we need millions of dollars thrown at it. We need so much more research done behind it. And I would argue that it's inconclusive. I think a lot of people would, but from the data that we have, we can start with this. On average, 83% of people have experienced an adverse childhood experience, right? Something bad happened to them. Now, what I would say is that A, the sample study, I believe, is far, far, far too small. And B, if you take into consideration the amount of non-reports that happen in child abuse, I would actually argue that we're talking probably 90 to 95%, if not higher, of human beings who have been abused as a child. Now, how do you determine this? Well, in part, it was this questionnaire of these 10 sample questions just to kind of create a baseline framework. And you can look this up. I won't go into all of them, but you can go to look up the ACE study, ACE everywhere, and you can find these 10 questions. And one of them was, were you ever molested? Were you ever sexually abused, right? One of them was, was a parent abusive towards you physically? Did you ever feel unsafe? Were you ever not taken care of or taken to the hospital to get doctors or treatments? Did you... Have a family member arrested? Was anyone in your household suicidal? Was it, did anyone in your household, um, you know, get divorced? And so it's a series of 10 questions. And for transparency, I answer yes to all 10 of those. And so I'm in the minority of people who go through this, your average person is going to answer yes to one. Chances are, if you answer yes to one, you'll probably answer yes to two. But statistically, when you start to get to four or more, you start to see some real dark shit happen. Obesity rates go up. Smoking, 2200% more likely to use tobacco than someone who has like one or zero. 5200%, 5200%, more likely to commit suicide or have suicidal ideations. Right. So look at that measurement. Of course, when I'm 26, what am I? I'm smoking, I'm drinking, having promiscuous sex, drinking, like waking up in the morning and getting high from the moment I'm up to the moment I go to bed and I put a gun in my mouth. I had this thing called correlation and causation. I was for the first time, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And so what I'm what I'm trying to create here is context to answer this question in a way that people can look at and reflect on their life and go, okay maybe the fact that I have asthma or pulmonary embolism or a learning disability is somehow correlated with the things that happened in my youth. Maybe it's not just genetic, right? I have learning disabilities, I was diagnosed with multiple um, autoimmune diseases, right? I had asthma as a kid. I have this thing called POTS. I got really sick. I got fucking E. coli like three times, right? It's crazy. And I smoke and I drank and I was morbidly obese and the whole nine. And so finding that research, and I really suggest people look at this and read this and 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 listen and watch because there is very likely something happening in your physical body that is directly respondent to the events of your past. And I'll say this, which I believe it is true, that we are the sum total of all the experiences that we've ever had. So that means that the likelihood that your past is impacting your present is very high. So look at the behaviors you have, like you're doing things and you go, man, like, fuck, I shouldn't be doing that thing. And then you'll make it a week and you won't do it. And then you'll do it again. You'll be like, what is wrong with me? Well. Maybe some bad shit happened to you that you need to start working on because maybe it's not as simple as what I thought it was. I'm going to drive past McDonald's every single night because it's in the parking lot of the gym, fucking McDonald's, man. And I'm going to sit out there and I'm going to eat at McDonald's and I'm going to smoke this cigarette and then I'm going to go to the bar next door and I'm going to walk by the gym and I'm going to say tomorrow. And I did that for years. Maybe there's a reason we're afraid to show up for ourselves.
0: Are you enjoying this episode so far? If so, please take the time to rate and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. You also can press the follow button on Spotify and ask for notifications every time a new episode comes out. This is the best way for us to grow and reach as many people as possible as we start to talk more vulnerably about mental health and things that are relatable to all of us. Also, you can take the time to share this episode with a friend via text message or on social media to also grow the awareness and make sure that people understand that they're not alone. Thank you so much for listening to It's Hard. Let's get back to the episode. When, you know, doing some research on you and your work and what you do, you mentioned um, getting people out of this vortex in regards to trauma survivors. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, so you know, it hit me one day, or was like, man, think about the way you talk to yourself. We we say things to ourselves that if you said to another human being, you would get arrested or punched in the face, and yet you're using that kind of language with yourself. The the vortex to me is this place of it's just dark. It's that darkness in you. And I think we all have darkness in us. Anyone who doesn't is a liar. They're not being honest with you. We all have that. We all have the self-deprecation, the shame, the guilt. It's fine. It's a part of the human experience. But I think the darkness of, of being in the vortex is kind of like the analogy of the real life story, or I guess more of a parable of my, my experience of being in this position of like right there. It's like right, like the difference in your life is right there. All you got to do is choose which door to walk through. So maybe instead of not walking in the McDonald's or the bar, I walked into the gym. Like it's right there. But being in the vortex is this place where you hate yourself. You don't believe in yourself. You've let the world and not by choice either, the world has helped you succumb to the idea that you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not capable enough. That's all I ever heard as a kid. That's all, many of us. That's our. That's what we hear. That's the nomenclature of the vernacular that we use for ourselves. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not capable enough. You're a loser. No wonder you're homeless. No wonder you know you've heard all the stories. And sometimes it's even that third grade teacher, right? They say that one thing in passing we carry with us. Even right now, I'm sure you have a thought of memory of that one thing someone said to you one time that to them meant nothing that has carried weight with you forever. And it puts you in this place where you're like fucking stuck. Like that's the, Like that's the vortex. Like you're fucking stuck. You're like on the other side of this, I know there's something beautiful, but I can't bring myself to do it. And the only way to get out of that is to get out of it. That's the really messed up part about this whole journey is the only way that you create change in your life is to create change in your life. To do the opposite of the thing that you're doing to push yourself. You want to get out of that darkness. You want to get out of the vortex. And and sometimes it literally starts with, "I, I didn't smoke a cigarette for two hours. Right. I didn't eat McDonald's today or Hardee's or Burger King or fast food. McDonald's gonna fucking sue me. Um, You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where you're like, can I just try something different? I'm not saying it's gonna make your life better. People are always like, do this will make your life better. Uh, Can you make your life different? Mm -hmm. Can you just do one little thing today to make your life different and measure that and then use that to create momentum? Because when you start creating momentum, you start to move through these what I call loops, right? And there's levels to this where every day you're challenging yourself. You're building momentum into this idea of the person that you believe that you could be. And so every single day you do this one little action. Maybe it's taking a shower. Like people discount that it's fucking taking a shower. And then it turns in, I'm going to go to the gym. And then it turns in I'm going to go take therapy seriously. And then it turns into I'm going to journal and I'm going to meditate, I'm going to go to the personal development courses, I'm going to read the books, I'm going to listen to the podcast, I'm going to show up, I'm going to challenge myself into the next level, because the momentum of doing these little actions every single day add up over time. And on a long enough timeline, you can create the life that you want to have. And so as you're building momentum to get out of the vortex, this place of darkness, I think about the concept of centrifugal force, right? If, if you're on the pendulum, and it starts like this, because what you think becomes what you speak, what you speak become your action, and your action become your reality. Okay? So this pendulum starts with thought. This is why I said you got to think about the way you're talking to yourself. Because that pendulum will swing from thought into action and then from action into reality. And then you'll have this like new baseline. But then that momentum of getting that new baseline carries over and through in this loop, like centrifugal force, giving you exit velocity where you're like suddenly looking at your life and you're like, fuck, man, I made a lot of changes. I'm feeling really good. And then you keep that going. And you challenge yourself further and deeper and harder every single day to see what else you're capable of doing. Now, in that process, sometimes you're going to have to rest. Like I just come, I came off of a rest. I was like, yo, I see the future. If I don't chill out, this is going to not end well. But sometimes you have to push yourself harder. And you have to listen to yourself. You have to learn to trust your instinct on that and your intuition but when you take this momentum and you hit exit velocity suddenly you look at your life 10 years later 12 years later 25 years later 30 years later cuz on a long enough timeline you can create the life that you want to have i don't even necessarily people always go to like finances on that sure it can be money but it can also be self esteem it can be confidence it can be peace it can be happiness it can be love it can be all of the things it can be i just want to feel the full range of the human experience and emotions right and so the deeper that you get into creating momentum every day by choosing, this is the hard part and I want people to hear this. The choice to walk through the door is your choice. You got to decide what door you're going to walk through and you don't get to blame the world for not choosing to walk through the right door. That's on you. It's hard truth. People get shitty at me when I say that. I understand why, because not that long ago, I'd been like, fuck you, who do you think you are? But the reality is, and my clients have seen this, I've seen it in my own life, anyone who I've ever met who is on a level of which I go, man, that's amazing that you transformed your life. They're all in agreement of one thing, you gotta make action. You have to choose to create your life. And I believe that it takes as much effort. I know that it takes as much effort to build your life as it does to destroy it.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. Totally does. Yeah, that's so good. How does adult trauma, I should say, you know, trauma that might happen to you as you're an adult play into this? I know personally, I had, you know, traumatic experiences within a relationship when I was in my adult years. Is there any correlation to childhood trauma and those types of experiences can those be independent of one another what does that look like
1: yeah well I think it's both right Mm -hmm. I think we go towards the things that we know because it's comfortable I I go back to being in this incredibly toxic non-violent relationship but super toxic like unbelievably toxic And toxic in this way, and everybody uses the word toxic. So I'll tell you exactly what happened. The things that we said to each other were so awful. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't even imagine, I don't even want to repeat them because they were so dark, but then be like, I love you, right? On the backside (laughs) of it, right? This is how we express it. We go towards the things that feel comfortable because it's learned experience, generational trauma, right? So we find ourselves moving towards those relationships, those people, those things, those vices, whatever it is that fills the semblance of normality to our experience leading up to that moment. And so I think about that a lot, and then you, you, you understand it and you measure it and you go, wait a second, what if it wasn't like this? What if it could be different? What if I could have a different career, a different relationship with money, a different relationship with people, a different relationship with myself? What would I have to do to get to that? Because the things that happen to us as an an adult, they carry weight too. They're a factor also. Like, let's not be dismissive of it, right? The abusive relationships and, and deaths, like my best friend's getting murdered. Like, Reading those headlines in the newspaper, looking at my life and being like, man, my life is super different. That carries weight, right? You go, fuck, man, what could I have done about that? And their experiences of the human experience sometimes are painful. I would argue probably more painful than not most of the time. But what are you going to do about it? You know, I think it's really easy to get trapped in it. And you should go to therapy about it. You should have coaching about it. You should cry about it and write about it and express it in whatever way that you need to express it. But at some day, at some time, at some point, and I don't know when that is because it's different for everyone, you're going to have to look at it and accept it. This happened. And in that acceptance, you acknowledge it and you go, yeah, okay, I'm going to measure this. I go, fine, it happened. And you're going to let go. And I'll say this, I think that there's a tremendous amount of freedom that comes in letting go because it's not about pushing things down and stuffing them down and pretending it didn't happen, but it's about looking at it and going, I can't change the past. And there's, there's beauty in that. It's not that it's not painful. It's not that it doesn't suck because it does. I mean, being hurt, whether you're a child or an adult or, you know, whatever time frame that is, like it carries weight to say that it doesn't would be dismissive to just simply go, you know, get over it. That's nonsense. Nobody ever gets over anything, right? But you can work through it and you can process it and make meaning of it and do the things that you need to do to be able to continue to carry on with your life because you have a choice to make. You can bring this with you everywhere that you go for the rest of your life forever and ever and ever. Or you can do what you need to do to put it where it needs to go, put it on the shelf where it belongs and go on and live your life. And it's going to be different for everyone. Like, it's easy. Like, people will go, well, how do you do that? I don't know. I'm, I don't know because I'm not you. But what I do know is that there are things that you can build in your life that can support you through that journey, whether it be through therapy or support groups, which I found a tremendous amount of power in at certain points of my life, or coaching or picking up a damn book, right? Or just taking a journal. There are one, two, three, four, five journals on my desk right now. So I can take the words that I have in my head and write them down and put them on this paper so I can make meaning of where I'm at in my life, right? Silence is a beautiful tool in the healing journey. You know, at some point, you're gonna have to stop distracting yourself and come to the truth that you're gonna have to work on some shit, right? And so there's levels to it. I've, I've worked with people who have had the most incredibly traumatic events in their life. Whether as a child or as an adult, we're talking about people who have lost children, who have been hurt in the workplace, who have been put in this situation where, like myself, they were doing whatever it took to survive and hurting people in the process. And on the backside of working with so many of these people, you know, I've had the privilege of them saying, like, my life is good. I don't need to do this anymore. But that time frame is different for everybody, right? It's different for everyone. So you know, taking a consideration. Sometimes you got to apply a little grace in this process. Mm -hmm. Never going to do one thing one time, and it's going to be proficient. (laughs) It's
0: just like going to the gym. Can't just go once and have abs.
1: (laughs) Just like everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. You've never done anything one time and been good at it. Not one. Never happened. Mm -mm.
0: Mm -mm. I love making meaning of your life. I like that a lot. Like everybody's Stories and experiences, and all those things are important. And to understand that making meaning of your life is just to write something down and express what you learned from it. Like, that's so powerful.
1: Your look, here's the truth. Like, I've written down stuff in my journals over the years. That is so incredibly far-fetched that if you saw it when I wrote it, you'd be like, you're a crazy person. And most of that stuff has come to fruition. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When I talk about creating your life, I literally mean creating your life. Whether it's standing on, for me, standing on stages or writing books or traveling the world or, you know, being in a position where I can take care of myself and have these kind of conversations with you. I've created it all from scratch. I'm not special, I'm not an anomaly, I don't know shit, Mm -hmm. I don't know anything. The only thing that I know is probably both my my greatest quality and my biggest character flaw is that I'm stubborn as fuck, (laughs) like I'm just stubborn, I want what I want, and I want to create this massive impact in the world, but how do you impact the world if you can't create change in your own life? If the only thing that you want to do is leave the neighborhood you grew up in, and you're 37 years old, and you still live in that neighborhood, your life is never going to change. You got to think about this, like you and and this is real, you can write down all the dreams in the world, you can write them all down. But if you don't take action, they're never going to happen. Because guess what, there ain't no Disney moment. Ain't nobody coming to make your life your life because nobody cares. Like, I'm sorry, the truth about it is nobody cares. And that's not to be dismissive, it's because they have their own life. They've got their own family, their own children, their own business, their own hobbies, their own problem, their own health issues. Nobody cares about your dreams. I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you. And so that you want to have a life that you want to have, you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to do the hard, difficult, grueling things over and over and over and over again, ad nauseum until the point where you hit that momentum in your life and you measure it and you go, okay, cool. Now I've hit a new level. I can go to what's next. But you might have to leave your neighborhood to do that. One of my mentors taught me something that I carry with me all the time. I think about it every day, actually. He said, what you have to think about is what do I have to give up to get what I want? Sometimes it's a friend, sometimes it's a partner, sometimes it's a job, sometimes it's a neighborhood, sometimes it's an ideation of who it is that you think you are. I'm gonna have to give up something. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so powerful. My last question for you, Michael, is. Just on a day-to-day basis, you know, how do you focus on your mental health and take care of your mental health just on a, you know, normal everyday basis?
1: Well, there's levels to it, right? And so uh, I don't know anything better than I know me um, and what I need. And, you know, I I mentioned it earlier in passing, I had to figure out like how to trust my intuition. I had to figure out how to understand who I am. And, And so I just initially because a lot of people aren't sure, like they're like, you know, I listened to this podcast, and I read that book, and I'm doing all these things. I think that's part of the process, you do all the things. And then you find out the things that work for you. And you allow those things to work for you until they don't. And that may be periodic, you may need to just come back to those things later, because you're just tired of doing them. But it's really about testing the water every day. What so what let's talk about this very simply, get up every morning, And I don't hit snooze unless I'm like, I gotta be so tired. Like I have to be so incredibly exhausted to hit snooze. Like like borderline, I probably need to go to the hospital. (laughs) So rule number one is I get out of bed. My phone's in another room. I have to get up to turn off the alarm, period. And then I drink an absurd amount of water and I stretch and I sit down and I write in my journal. And then I sit down and I write my goals. These are two different journals. And then I read. And then I work out. There's coffee in there because coffee. And <laughs> and in that process, the thing that I'm always thinking about is, what do I need to do today to take care of myself? Because sometimes, Paige, as you know, it's like last minute shooting you an email and saying, hey, I can't do this today. Right? I need this break. And sometimes it's, I got to go really hard, stay super focused, do exactly what I said I'm going to do point by point by point, because one thing I do is I I do run multiple businesses, and I coach people and I write books and I travel the world and I speak on stages. And so there's a huge demand on my time, my attention, my energy. So I got to get crystal clear every single day about how much energy I can actually put into the world. And I don't give it a drop more. Because then I'm taking from myself. And so it's just a constant measurement, this idea, this people are always like, check in with yourself. What does that mean? I ask myself, like, what do I need? Because it's nonsensical to check in with yourself and then do nothing with it. Take action. And so the thing that I'm always thinking about when I'm going through these pauses in my day, is I'm asking myself, what do I need right now? Cool, I need to cancel that meeting because I need to eat because I've not eaten all day. I'm canceling the meeting. I'm sorry. I'm, my, my well-being is more important than the meeting, right? I need to clear four or five days off of my schedule to go travel because I need an emotional break. Perfect, doing it. But I always ask myself the same question in alignment with this. Am I taking care of myself or am I taking it easy on myself? Because they're not the same thing. So it's really about just asking yourself the questions. And being real with yourself and being honest with yourself. Because you can't lie to yourself. You can try, but then you got to go look in that fucking mirror. Mm-hmm.
0: I love it. Taking care of yourself or taking it easy on yourself. And it's it can get so lost in translation, right? Like, what is that balance? And when can you like just encourage yourself and push yourself in the right way? But then when are you pushing yourself too far to a point where you are not taking care of yourself, because that's kind of the, the balance there or the juggle, if you will, of, you know, what is the right way to do it without overdoing it.
1: Yeah, and I've been on both sides of it, right? It's it's learned experience, you just got to try some stuff, and then you'll know. But if you don't try the stuff, if you don't take the action, you'll never be able to know. I've definitely burned myself out and I've definitely taken it too easy on myself. And so getting to balance is just you've tried the things enough that you have the answer.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. Where can everybody find you and in, in the work that you do, whether it's a podcast, coaching, your book, everything of that nature?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm everywhere on social media at Michael Unbroken. Um, And anyone's welcome to reach out to me at any time. And there's a link on my Instagram where you can download my book for free for $0. So now you don't have any excuses except (laughs) using your time to go and read this in the hopes that you pull one thing from it that could potentially change your life. Um, And then the Think Unbroken podcast is on all the platforms. Um, We have amazing guests on there. Like I would argue that if you just listen to the podcast, you could make your life different. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. That's why I do it
0: right yeah i believe it so good well thank you so much for your time michael i really appreciate it it's been such a pleasure having you and i learned so much i was taking notes i learned so much today from you and you can see me writing i'm like i'm not being rude i'm just taking notes um but i did learn so much from you and i can't wait for the listeners to hear this and learn so much from you as well so thank you so much i really appreciate it
1: my pleasure thank you
0: Thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show. We are so, so grateful. If you want to connect with Michael again, his website is www.thinkunbroken.com. He is Michael Unbroken on Instagram and Think Unbroken on Instagram as well. Please connect with him, reach out to him. He is incredible. Thanks so much, Michael. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Great week.